Welcome to Run With Purpose. This is episode number 47. Uh, for those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad that you found this podcast. Would love if you subscribe. You can find us everywhere podcasts are found, and you can always reach out to me on all the socials at flores.run. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for joining us today. I say us because if you're on YouTube, you see that this is a video which means we have an interview that's about to happen. So today's guest, I was introduced um, by a previous guest, you may remember, Jason Tharp, uh, early on in the show, um, just an amazing, amazing guy in the Columbus area. He told me about his, this, uh, this awesome coach uh, and trainer that he has and that he had a lot, of, lot in common with kind of my thinking around intentionality and all of that stuff. And he said, you have to get this guy on the podcast if you're still accepting guests. And I'm like, I'm always accepting guests on the podcast, Jason. So uh, thanks for joining me on the show today, Alex. Yeah, absolutely, Flores. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Uh, before we get started kind of into the, the topic we have, which I think is going to be a great conversation that people are going to really um, connect with, let the people know just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, I am born and raised in Columbus. I've been an athlete my whole life. And uh, through a series of events, I ended up having just kind of a major injury that ended my athletic career. And then I went down this kind of spiraling part of my life that led me down this path of really tying in, you know, not just the fitness aspect, but the mindset aspect. And that's kind of what my life's mission has been for the last well over a decade now. And I spent a lot of time working with young athletes and helping them cultivate their mindset. And then I work a lot with adults, both in the corporate setting, but professional athletes and just general people um, who are like really looking to cross this bridge, man, uh, who are, are, are really looking and searching for something more. And that's really kind of how we got into this concept of waking up. So that's what I do, man. I own a gym in, in the Dublin area. And uh, we do a ton of work with a ton of people and we just try to have a major impact. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, you, you had made mention of the, uh, the wake up and obviously you guys see the title of this episode is, is wake up. But you, you brought up a good point too when you were talking there is about this like mindset idea. And I think that can kind of be the, the start of all of this like waking up is kind of changing your mindset. What do you, yeah. um, how, how do you help people kind of um, get that different mindset to have this, you know, quote unquote, wake up experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the first thing is thinking about mindset is that when you're talking about mindset, mindset has this connotation of like foo-foo, you know, mantra, sit down, you need to do some meditation or, or something along those lines. Right. And I think that that, that has the appropriate time and place. But really, when I, when I started learning about mindset, what I realized is I, I've always been good at patterns and recognizing patterns. That, that's what helped me understand and, and learn about the body so quickly, you know, understanding different systems that happen inside the body. And once you really get familiar with life, life is just a series of different patterns, right? So when we start talking about mindset, the way that I started learning from all of these other inputs about mindset was not necessarily to find a way that tells you how to think, which is a lot of what I was reading and learning about all these different people who are like gurus telling you how to think specifically. And really what mindset has come out to be to me is about having clarity and having blocks of basically like equations on how you think about the different parts of your life and how they kind of all come together. And ultimately that's what I felt like was missing from my experience 
it was like somebody would be talking about, you know, one aspect about business and then somebody else might be talking about one aspect as it pertains to sports. But I never really found something that kind of was universal across all of those spectrums. And for me, it was just like, all right, I need to really dive in and understand this. And that sent me down a crazy rabbit hole of reading books and going to speakers and listening to people and hiring coaches and ultimately kind of finding this path that I now use to navigate to work with people. So when we talk about the mindset piece, it's getting this understanding first about yourself, right? Uh, and, and this is to your first question is a lot of people tell these stories to themselves. They have this idea of who they are. And then that's often in conflict with who they want to be. And there's always kind of this battle going on inside of each person. Well, when you're in harmony, like who you want to be and who you are or how you see yourself, when those two things are in alignment, like life is great. But when they're not in alignment, it creates all of these problems. And a lot of the time, most people don't even realize it. They just realize that they're in a rut in life. You know, they are feeling unsatisfied. They're having a difficult time sticking to a plan or a strategy or, or even finding motivation to go to work or to spend time with their spouse or to find some sort of passion that they want to follow in life. Um, and that's really kind of where I usually will meet someone. We have a couple of interactions. I just try to give them some nuggets to think about. And that's, that's what the wake up is. The wake up is these questions that you start asking people as you're listening. And that's the key for me is like really listening to someone because what and how they're saying things in the conversation kind of lead me to know like, all right, this is where we probably need to go. And that's one of the other things is like, not every person is the same. Like, you know, mm -hmm. all of us are on different, we're on different paths, all essentially trying to go to the same place, which is a deeper connection of ourselves, a level of care and passion for what we're doing, finding purpose, like all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think the, the wake up part comes when someone really realizes that they're not they're not connected internally. And then once they realize that they're not connected, they, they're actively pursuing and looking for something that's going to kind of give them a little insight. And that's when they start. It's like in the morning, you know, you wake up and you're like, ah, uh, you know, you kind of like crack your eyes a little bit and then you like you know, eyes are all the way open. And then you're like, all right, fuck, let's get the day going, <laughs> you know? And, and that's kind of what happens to us mentally, you know, when we're going, uh, you know, your eyes are closed because maybe you don't want to be aware of it or you just don't have any clue. And then something happens and it's like, all right, those eyes start opening up. They start opening up. And my job is to basically come in and just like, without being aggressive, help them open those eyes all the way up so that they can be aware. That's a good point you make. A lot of good points. I was writing them down as you were, you were talking. You talk about this idea of these these patterns that we've seen from like a self-help mind, a self-help book kind of thing, or that, that kind of, yeah. we talk about that mindset kind of thing of, hey, here's your, here's your problem. Read this book. This is how you fix it. And, yeah. you know, sometimes those things work, but they're very, they're very particular. Like you said, whether it's lines of business or specific kinds of issues, there's not anything that's like uh, overarching whole or something like that. Yeah. So what then happens is you kind of go, you kind of get frustrated because you're like, all right, I did this thing. Maybe it helped in one aspect of my life and I'm trying to repeat it. But when I repeat it, I'm, I'm not getting the result and you kind of can yeah. get that, that disconnect. And then 
going like a step further, talking about this waking up, I think, and you can, you can kind of talk to this too, is you had said it's to that metaphor of opening your eyes kind of thing. Sometimes people just don't want to open up their eyes. All of this whole waking up, it's as much as we try to, um, try to push things on people (laughs) in in a good way. Like, Hey, this is good for you. Let's, let's motivate you to get to this. If the person themselves isn't willing to see it, if they're not willing to wake up, to open their eyes, even just a little bit to get a glimpse of what could be, and they just kind of sit in that discontentment, it like that'll eat them alive. Have you had any instances where like it's almost been like a struggle to help to be like, hey, someone's saying, hey, I can't, I can't open my eyes. I've got, well, no phrase. I've got them open. I don't see anything. And you're like, no, it's because your eyes are still closed. Yeah. All, yeah, absolutely. So when I'm like, you know, as much as somebody would be pursuing and looking for help, let's say from me, I am also having to evaluate and grade this person as well to get an understanding. Where are they on that spectrum? Right. Like in sales, they say that there's or they talk about, you know, the stages of buying, like, you know, where are you in the discovery process? Like, are you pre-contemplative like are, are, have you made the decision now you're just execute ready to execute like there is the same thought process when it comes to these decisions that you want to make about yourself and and the concept of waking up you know there are people who they know something is not right but the fear mm. of venturing out and finding a, a, an alternative that path from here where life is uncomfortable to where it could be better if they perceive the journey from here to here as being more detrimental to their whatever they value whether it's their their health or their socioeconomic status or if it's their political status in this in society if they fear that this journey from here to here is going to hurt them more than just sitting here and staying in the same spot then they're never going to make that that journey. Mm-hmm. And usually what, what will happen is it takes something dramatic to, to spark that change, right? And I always use the analogy, you know, we've all been in a relationship before where you're like dating someone and you're like, ah, you know, I'm not going to marry this person probably. Like, we're just going through the motions, but I'd rather be with them than not be with them by myself. So I'm just going to stick it out. You know, yeah. you, you like stay in that relationship because it's easier to be comfortable. That it, It's easier to do that than it is to go out on dates and have to follow up with somebody and do the courting process and pay for dinner and meet, like go through all, all the discovery intake stuff again. So that that's kind of the analogy is like, if, if your life is, let's say bad or it's good or it just is what it is, but it's not satisfying The work to get from here to here is challenging. And if the perception is that's going to be harder than just staying there, you're just going to stay there. Yeah, for sure. But, but if there's a way for somebody to explain and show you that the journey from here to here is not nearly as bad as spending the rest of your life here, then you're like, whoa, this seat is hot. I got to get the hell up out of here. And then mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're ready to follow the path. But it takes someone to show you what that path should look like for you. And that's the most interesting part about like what I have come to start doing over the last few years is that 
again, not every person is the same and understanding what matters to someone, what they value in their life, who they value, what they value. Once you really start to understand that and take note of that, that has an impact on your lifestyle and your lifestyle has an impact on your habits Mm -hmm. and your habits have an impact on your overall success, whatever you deem that to be. So that's part of our process is going through this step by step, kind of unpacking the bag. You know, it's like, I got to take all this stuff out of my bag and getting ready to go on this run or I'm getting ready to go on this, this trip. You know, what's the stuff that I need in here? I'm going to need a couple gel packs. I'll need this. I'm going to need my bladder. I mean, you, you start thinking about all the things that actually matter for this journey. And that's, we, we go through that process in the coaching. Um, and that's one of the other things that to me, it was like the biggest connection. Once I started learning about neurology, it's like, to me, it, it makes no sense to try and go through these changes with your mindset without doing it in your body as well. Mm-hmm. And for me, on my own personal journey, when I was going through rehab for two years, um, my mindset was not in a place where I was ready to be healthy because I was just so depressed. I was so upset. I was so fixated on the pain that I was in that I wasn't fully able to commit to anything else. But once I fully committed my mind to that. And I was able to just be positive about what I was doing each day, what I could do each day grew. And over time, because I changed the way that I was measuring my process and my progress, I was able to get better and better and better and better. And I think taking the physical aspects of training, whether you're training for an ultra or you're training to lose a couple pounds or you're training to lift another 315 pounds, whatever the goal is, putting those two things together is like the perfect synchrony because your body, the the art of taking action, it starts the learning process for your mind. And that's one of the big things that you'll always hear people like Tony Robbins talk about is that uh, your, your physical state has a tremendous impact on how we store memories and how we learn. And if we can get our bodies in these states where we're building habits of fitness and movement and heart rate, elevated heart rate and that sort of thing. And we're bringing that in conjunction with crafting the mindset of success for you. That's like the, it's the perfect pairing, man. It just, it's peanut butter and jelly, baby. Right. (laughs) So many good things, like all of the notes, man. I'm telling you, I'm taking all of the notes. <laughs> there's, there's one quote, and we talked about this when we were emailing back and forth, trying to set this all up. Yeah. Is my, my like life thing the last few years has been in getting comfortable with discomfort, and I oh, think yeah. that yeah. fear. You know, there's the only thing that is going to happen. Let me phrase. <laughs> One of the main things that'll happen if you try something and don't succeed is you'll fail. That's it. You're just going to fail and just get over it and just, and keep moving on. I think what happens is, and you talked about it, about this, um, this definition of success, kind of what success means and kind of what does it mean for you? Because a lot of times we find success in, in what culture says we should have success in, what our, our status should say in, you know, if you live in this neighborhood and make this much money and have this kind of job, that's successful, even if you're not happy. 
And it's like, yeah. well, you know, I mean, happiness probably isn't the, the, the goal in the end, but if you're not, if you don't feel fulfilled, feel fulfilled in whatever you're doing. You don't have that purpose. It's one of those like, you're like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I doing something just because somebody else says it's right? I can see over your shoulder the subtle art of not giving an F. And that's like through and through of that book. It's exactly that of why, why do we care so much? Like, why are we so worried about other people's opinions of things. And I see this through uh, a running culture all the time. And I've had guests on the show the same way. It's like, I'm overweight or I'm short or I wasn't the best athlete. So I was told growing up, I couldn't do these things. There's no way yeah. I could run a 5K, much less try to run a marathon because because of X, Y, and Z, because these labels that people put on me. And when I hear those stories, I'm like, and I can understand, like, you know, I've, I've been on the other side of some of those things and, and, it, and it does hurt and it's hard to kind of just take it, you know, take it off the shoulder and, you know, turn your cheek and, and move the other way. But we put so much emphasis on it. It's one thing of taking that criticism, but when we let it drive our lives, similar like what you were saying when you were in rehab and, and you had this depression and all this stuff, because more than likely it was, hey, I wanted to be back out there. I wanted to keep doing this thing. And, and now what? Now what do I do yep. that the only thing that I wanted to do, I can't do? And it's kind of yep. reframing our mind to understand like, hey, maybe maybe I wasn't meant to do this or maybe there's something else or maybe this is going to um, be the catalyst for something else in my life. And my story is then going to be able to, to help people do things. That's the whole reason for this podcast is I've done yeah. so much shit wrong <laughs> in everything I've done. I'm like, I've got stories to tell and be like, Hey, I've done all of this and messed up and failed. And I've been called the names and I've been judged and I've been, all of this has happened, but I'm still here and I'm still smiling and I'm, I'm loving life. Not because yeah. of external circumstances that, you know, you have this fleeting feeling of happiness. Yeah. It's, it's so, um, it's so powerful that you like can see that and say that because like everything that you're talking about ties back in. There's, there's like so many little nuggets that I want to like tap into here. Uh, the first thing is that, you know, what we're battling with constantly is our identity. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you start talking about labels, there's the one thing that we have to remember about humans is that scratch everything that we know. The first thing is we've all been essentially not lied to, but we've just been taught the wrong way to think about ourselves and to think about our identities. And when you start learning about other cultures, other cultures have all of these different scales of understanding pain and understanding self and the concepts of self-worth and the ideas around thoughts and mindset and like all these different components. But we're not ever really taught any of that in the United States. So if you've come up through the traditional education system, well, that whole education system was designed to just make you a worker bee. Mm -hmm. And you needed to know enough to be a cog in a wheel. And that's where you're starting to see this huge diversion away from the traditional education system where online education and specialized education and courses and people who are doing that sort of stuff online who have walked that road and been successful now turning around backwards and teaching it to the people who are following them up the same way Mm -hmm. because we're realizing that that education system doesn't work. So when we start talking about the concepts of identity and who I am, 
when you're talking about me and not being able to play as that athlete anymore, my entire life, and again, I'm not the person who I hated being put in a box, right? I hated being told, well, you're just the athlete mm -hmm. or you're, you sing in choir. So you like, you're one of those guys or you play chess, like, oh, you're one of those guys, <laughs> right? It's like, I, I was always doing everything and catching a ton of flack. I was the kid who showed up to basketball practice on a skateboard. And this is before it was cool to be on a skateboard, <laughs> especially for a black kid in the city. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, that being the mindset, I've always been in that mode of like, well, just because you say that's who I'm supposed to be doesn't mean that's who I think I'm supposed to be. But then you kind of, you, that's like a wagon wheel keeps going down the road. Eventually it's going to build this groove and the groove is going to get so deep that you, you can just barely look up and out over it. And I feel like at that point in my life, when I got injured, I was just so patterned into that groove of being the athlete right? Playing sports, going to college, playing, like being that guy that when I got injured and I couldn't live up to that, or I couldn't be that anymore, or I couldn't go into the weight room and lift weights or run the way that I had done my entire life. It was like, oh shit, who, who am I now? And then you throw in this aspect of now everybody is essentially not pitying you, mm -hmm. but when you are, when you are in that place of dis despair and then everybody's like oh god that that's so bad you know all you're thinking is like mother like i don't need your pity like right you just get you get so upset because there's nothing that you can do about it and i think your point too that, of the the who am i i think that is that's probably like the number one wake up question right there, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. you're, you literally break it down to who am I and what defines me? I always talk or about- what am I supposed to be doing? Exactly. You know? I, I'm what, a am I, what am I meant to do? What's my purpose? Yeah. Right. I'm a huge fan of the minimalist and they bring up a, an idea of when you meet someone, the, one of the first questions people ask people is, what do you do for a living? And sometimes it's, we just don't know anything else to ask. We just, we're like, oh, I'm just sitting here and this is awkward. I don't yeah. know what to say to you. Or a lot of times it's, I want to know where you rank on this social economic scale. And it goes back to your edu education kind of discussion of we were meant to, you're going to learn these things. You're going to go to school and you're going to become a doctor or a lawyer. And if you can't, if you're not smart enough to do those things, well, then maybe you'll go into finance. And, you know, if you're not smart enough for that, maybe you'll go into retail, you know, but yeah. maybe all over, let's just be an athlete and then you don't have to worry about it at all kind of thing. And we just had this like mindset going on when you really shouldn't uh, tie yourself to your job, your career or something like that, their answer when they say, you know, when people ask them, what do they do for a living? They just talk about what they're passionate about, what drives them, what yeah. they like to do. And I do the same thing. It's people ask me what I do. And I say, I'm a photographer. Like you do that full time. I'm like, no, but you know, I, I yeah. enjoy doing it and I do these things. And it, and it offers this conversation of this is what I'm passionate about. So not to like label or put myself in a box and not necessarily to go down this path, but with the education thing is that's a reason why we're in most of the culture issues we're in right now. I grew yeah. up in rural North Carolina where the last name Flores was, why aren't you in the tobacco fields? And, yeah. and it was a weird thing. It's like, that was the first, I'm like, you look at me, it's like white boy through and through just a half Puerto Rican. I just have the last name. Like, I don't even get the cool hair. I've got like the straight, <laughs> the straight possible hair from my mom's side. I'm like, I don't have any of that. But yeah. 
it's you you think about the our society as a whole the way the things that are happening in our country now and the way people are reacting in certain situations it's that's what we were taught and yeah, it's, and absolutely. you try to go back to this thing is you know and, and as much as i believe you know, we need to make change and there's things that need to happen it's ingrained deep and it's going to take oh, yeah. some time for this to not be the case when we moved to our uh, the town we lived in smithville north carolina i was 5 years old 1992, it said, welcome to Smithfield, North Carolina, home of your local KKK. And that was the welcome sign to the town in the early 90s. Like this isn't even that long ago. But again, not to necessarily go down that path, but we can see how we've been ingrained from the education system and from just our social system in general of we always have to rank people. We talked about this in my small group uh, through church the other week. We're always trying to rank people where, where do I stand in front of you? Like I need to know, am I better than you or are you better than me? And what are the definitions of those? And it's like, we need to stop kind of doing that and kind of wake up and realize I'm not defined by those things. Like we shouldn't define people with those labels that you talked about. Sorry, I'll stop my rant. Bro, it's all good. I mean, those are all important things because like you said, you know, we that it is not that far removed like i was doing the math in my head the other day just thinking about some of the changes that we've seen politically things with civil rights like that sort of stuff i mean 50 years ago it's crazy 50 years ago was 1970 you know what i mean and they were doing civil rights marches like 55 years ago so in in one lifetime we've seen all of this change and to think that it's woven its way out of the fabric of our culture or society they say it takes almost two generations to break an entire cycle so if that's the case even by the time i'm done and gone you know it'll be my daughter's generation their kids that are going to be hopefully reaping the fruits of this revolution that needs to be taking place you know this awakening if you will the the, the waking yeah right in that yeah, aspect. There it is. Um, yeah absolutely yeah. So, uh, sorry. Like, I, I like I tend to go down paths like that because I think it's it's super important to talk about, even though it's not necessarily relevant to to this in like directly. But kind of getting back onto um, the the waking yeah. up aspect. What, well, one thing that I was just going to say yeah. to you because we talked about this. The one thing that we we can never forget that we haven't grown out of is the the nature in terms of evolution of the human animal, right? The human, as a group, we are pack animals, right? We were hunter-gatherers. We lived in groups. We were created in, theoretically, by God's eye, we were created in pairs, you know? Mm-hmm. So in that concept, we, we live and breathe and, and exist with other humans. So as that species is growing up throughout time, we develop this need to be light because if we're light, then we are part of the group. Mm-hmm. If we're not light, then I'm not going to get food. You're going to, all everybody else will get to eat and then I'll get to eat. So it's feast or famine. Now I'm not going to survive in the group. And then we need to be able to provide value. If I provide value, then my status in the group now climbs and I'll get to eat sooner. Right. I've got the protection of the, the pack mentality. So if a uh, saber-toothed tiger comes over and is trying to attack us, 
we'll fight together and you won't run and leave me because I'm the weak link. Right. So it's this, it's this concept that's deeply ingrained in us as human beings that we need other humans. So when we walk into the room, mm. we're looking for something that we can connect to someone else with, whether it's a sticker on their Nalgene bottle or it's, you know, the clothes that they're wearing, even down to as a black man walking into a room, I'm looking for other people who might look like me so that in that moment, that instant, not knowing anything about anybody else, at least I feel like I've got a connection. Yeah. And, and everybody does that. If you're a man and you walk into a room filled with women, you're instantly going to feel the heat and you're going to be looking for another guy. And, and it's just everybody does that. So when we are in that mode, we have to recognize that that's part of why we as humans clump together or we're searching for other people like us because it's a survival instinct. Yeah, that makes sense. But we are also the only animal that has the ability to use our minds in a way that allows us to reflect on the past, to predict the future, and to be present in our current circumstance and to communicate those feelings, emotions, those thoughts with other people. And in that moment, we are able to change, pivot, adjust, or adapt who we are as people, as individuals. A dog can only be a dog, right? A tree can only be a tree. But as a human being, I can change the value that I provide to other people. I can enhance the value that I have or the life that I live just by changing the way that I think about myself or I think about my circumstance or I think about the people around me. And that then helps me either expand my pack or my tribe and it expands my ability to provide value for that pack and increases my worth to the group. So I think that's, that is a really interesting concept to get into because it, if you were to, like you said, boil things down to their simplest level, a lot of the problems that we have come back to feeling like, I don't know who I am. I feel like I'm alone. I don't have people to talk to. I don't, you know, and we isolate ourselves and think that we're alone in that. Not, not being aware that there's 6 billion people on earth. <laughs> there are other people who are feeling the same way that you are, right. who are experiencing the same things or similar things as you, and they've survived and they've thrived through those environments. The question is how? Right. And then you always think success leaves clues. So that's where like the learning and communicating and experiencing other people and all that sort of stuff is, is vitally important to our individual success and how we measure success for us. Right. And I think you, you brought up a good point there. You're lining or combining that who am I with the value that I bring? Because that's yeah. really what what defines us as individuals. Like, that's why you know I say I'm a podcaster, I'm a photographer, I'm whatever. Like, because I provide value in those things. We all want to provide value, like you said, to be um, to find that group of peers to kind of in, increase that tribe, if you will. Like you were saying, I think yeah. all of that like hits hits home really well because we're all trying to find that value. So how when you're when you're you're coaching folks and you're doing that, what kind of steps are we taking? Again, just big picture, 
that yeah, yeah. that were what steps are we taking to help find help them realize rather the value that one they already have like they're already providing some sort of value they probably just don't count it as value so that's the first part and then the second part being to expand on that value of what else could they be doing to to exponentially increase that value they provide yeah, absolutely. So when I start working with someone, there's this path that we're always trying to follow. And excuse me, along that path, the first thing that we have to identify is like, if, if I just plopped you down somewhere and I was like, all right, hey, cool. Meet me in Florida on Thursday in November on the 19th, whatever. I'll see you there. Well, the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to go, okay, I need to get to this location. I have an idea of what it's called, but what's the first thing that you have to figure out? Well, where am I right now? (laughs) You know what I mean? Where am I right now on this map? And that's going to help me figure out where do I need to get to and possibly how long is it going to take me to get there? So when we do that, we're always diving in at the very beginning, understanding who someone is. And there's a series of questions and exercises that we go through that help flesh that out. And then once they, they give me this, it's, it's always interesting because not many people really think about the depth of these questions. Like the first question that I will usually ask somebody is who are you? Right. And, and that's what they give me is all this sort of stuff. And then as I'm reading through what they're sending to me, how they're writing things out, what they're establishing as the most valuable things, that starts to give me some understanding. Now, once I've got that down, we basically go back and forth on that. And I'm quizzing them on things and and showing them, or not showing them, asking them to show me how this is actually being expressed by their actions, Mm -hmm. right? And then we go into their story. Like, tell me how you became this person. Tell me about your life, Tell right? We don't realize this, but if you were to talk to a scientist who studies the brain of young children, uh, that first three years of life establishes a tremendous amount of the foundation that we have for the rest of our lives. And in the first five years of life, we're putting together basically the mental models of how we communicate and um, connect and value and work with other people. And then from five years and on, we're just making adjustments, you know, but the foundation is laid really early. Mm -hmm. Well, what we don't realize is that how we view ourselves, how we communicate with other people, you know, those sorts of things. A lot of that stuff that we are experiencing now in conflict with ourselves has some tie back into our childhood, right? And if you don't believe that, or you're not quite sure about that, a question that I would always ask somebody is, think about this. What is your relationship, let's say, with food, right? What are your political ties? What are your religious views? A lot of people just kind of follow the path of what their parents did because that was the environment that they grew up in. But at some point we should be challenged to explore the depths of those thoughts and beliefs and really make sure that they are what we think, feel, and believe 
And then we tie our identity to that once we've confirmed it. Yeah. And like thinking about even the political environment now, it's, it's interesting to hear people talk about who they associate themselves with from a political stance. But when you ask them any questions about specific topics or things that are correlated to that, they have a difficult time voicing it. And the question is, well, why do you have a difficult time telling me that if that's who you are? Right. You should know it in and out like the back of your hand. So it's you, you start getting into these thoughts, even to things like your food. What are the things that you eat and why do you choose to eat those things? What, what food do you turn to when you're sad or depressed? Is it a comfort food? Well, where did you develop that comfort with that food? That's good. It, it's these, you know what I mean? So it, to really think back about those things, because here's the other thing too, that we always have to remember that most people don't even realize is that what happens to you is only one part of the equation because of your own perception, you perceive things one way. Anybody else who was there perceives it another way. And then there's what actually happened. Now we'll never know what actually happened. And all we can do is just base things off of your perception. Mm -hmm. But are you appropriately or adequately developed earlier in your life to have the right perception of what's going on around you to make these decisions about who you are, your self-worth, what you're capable of, you know, all of the stigmas or boxes, little tiny boxes that you've been put in and have you, or have you, or how have you periodically gone back and checked in with those perceptions or those frameworks to understand, are they still valid? Right. right? So think about it like this, like, um, I had, I had a, an athlete that I worked with who is a female athlete and she's a much bigger female athlete than as a volleyball player, significantly bigger in height and in general size than almost all the girls that she plays with. She's a hitter. But when she was younger, people would always refer to her as the big girl mm. or she was bigger and she started to develop this complex. So now in her mind, that's who she was. But as we got older, now she's a college athlete, but as she got older, into high school, we started having these conversations and I would get her to think about this different. If someone calls you the big girl, does that mean that they're calling you the big girl because you're overweight? Are they calling you the big girl because you're literally standing a foot over everyone else, right? And the complex that she developed was not, it was not a necessary thing, but in her mind, that's how it went. That was her perception. So we as adults do that all the time. You just need to be prompted and coerced to go back and work through those things that we think are the defining moments in our lives and reevaluate them and see if that's really the case. Yeah, it's a good point. It's these things, they, we hold them as defining moments. Like this is, yeah. this is the reason why I am X, Y, and Z, or this is the reason why I do X, Y, and Z. But we realize like, they aren't like, they're not like the law of gravity. They're not, they're, right, you know, yeah. they're not etched in stone. We yeah. let these things define us. So we yeah. can as easily not let them define us. 
you know, there it, it is. it's, it's to your point of the, you know, people say they have these political beliefs or they have whatever the case, obviously it's easy to just pick on political stuff right now. Cause that's, right. Yeah. 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 Good. What's well, the time of the year? Well, technically this episode releases on election day. So yeah, that's oh, a, perfect. literally it's going to be that conversation because that's next Tuesday, awesome. right? Or is that Monday? Yeah. 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 Next Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. I've got to drop off my ballot this week, but, um, it, uh, it, we have these ideas, but we don't, we don't know what they mean. Like, you know, we have, a, I, you see it a lot in the church itself, and I'm not saying anything wrong with this at all, and I, I'm sure I'm going to get slack for this anyways, but people assume that just because I, I, uh, I'm a Christian and I believe these things, that I'm all of a sudden, I'm only voting for Republican ever, period, because that's the party that associates with these things. Maybe 60 years ago, it was the party that associated with things that that aligned with me. But now lines are so blurred. But the problem is generationally, our parents had this mindset of, no, if you believe A, B, and C, that means you do D, E, and F. Like that's, that's just yeah. what it is. That is the next step of the process. And a lot of times our, that generation, I feel like, was afraid to ask why. Yeah. And I think my generation probably younger than me is really starting to, to embrace this. And you're seeing it with just this movement of like van life and all these things like not going to college, not doing these things is because now with the access to information that we have with the internet and, and all of this stuff, we can ask why we don't have yeah. to just take everything at face value. And I think more people need to do that in order to wake up to who am I? Why am I letting these things define me? It's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely. ask that why question. Don't take anything at face value. Anytime I see something that's like interesting to me or just like, even if it rubs me the wrong way, I go, why do they think like that? I don't think that person is a bad person because who knows? Again, it goes back to their background. Anything could possibly happen of why they think the way they do. So it's like, why do you think that way? I want to sit down and have a conversation with you. I don't have to agree with you to have a conversation with you. And you're not going to change my mind, and I'm probably not going to change your mind. But being able to ask why, even just a little bit, kind of opens our eyes to the experiences. Like you said, there is my side, there is their side, and there is the truth somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere yep. there in between us. I remembered some things that they didn't, and they remembered some things that I just happened to forget. And when you when you open up those doors and you have those conversations, you wake up to just a little more of the truth that yeah. you yeah. that you didn't necessarily ignore, but you didn't process because you weren't raised to process these things in this way. Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting thing when you like really start diving into all of that because my experience has been that when you really get into those conversations with people in their perceptions, they are afraid to ask those questions because they're afraid of the response and what the response means to their foundation. And now they are confronted overtly face to face with the fact that what they've established as being true is no longer true and they have to get rid of it or they have to upgrade themselves or they have to improve their thinking or they've got to evolve in some way you know i think it goes to that self-identity it's people identify with that 
And then when you have those defining moments that identify you or you have that conversation that kind of shakes it, no one wants to feel that uncomfortable. You know, I don't want to be in a situation as I know I'm an average runner. I'm probably more on the slower side than average runners. And it took me a while to really be like, no, it's okay. It's okay that I have to, that I run a 430 or 440 marathon. Like, that's fine. Like, I don't, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not Kipchoge. I'm not running a two, a two hour marathon. You know what I mean? And, and you have to kind of come to terms with that. And I'm sure we have the same, um, you see the same thing in, in fitness as well is we have these things where we set these benchmarks where we want to hit certain things at certain times, but sometimes that timing doesn't, doesn't work out exactly like that. What happens like when you're, when you're coaching someone and you see like, Hey, you, you talk about your timeline of I'm here, you know, we fight, we figure out where we're at and then where we're, we need to figure out where we're going, but we also need to figure out where we're at to get there and the time it yep. takes. What happens when that timeline gets extended? Because I, I know personally you can have that kind of doubt that, okay, maybe maybe this is too lofty a goal. Maybe I can't reach this. Maybe this isn't possible for me to do. And again, it's just it's just the, the, the lies that I'm telling myself in my head. But how yeah. do you help someone through a situation like that where the results aren't coming in the time that they expected? I think the first thing is when I'm working with an athlete, we're looking at what what is the current pace? So a lot of people think that, you know, if we sat down and said, all right, hey, this is day one, this is where we are, and this is where we want to go, statistically, it might take this long, right? Well, again, we can't say that that's fact or fiction. We just say, all right, well, based off of averages, based off of statistics, it's, this is probably about where we're going to be at. I'm not going to know until we start getting data points. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Data points now along the way, give me an idea of progress, time and tempo. So, hey, all right. From here to here, how much have we gained? What are we looking at? Do we still look like if we kept the same pace? Are we going to get here by this day and time? And, and along the way, if you're not tracking those points or you're not having those conversations along the way, if you just expect to show up on that day and time and that's it, right. That's like not getting a confirmation for a scheduled dentist appointment, but the date was changed. Right. You know, like you're going to show up on the day and time that you had planned six months ago, but it's like, hey, you know, uh, we didn't touch base with you. We didn't check in along the way to let you know that our office moved, that we have to change your appointment. You know, it's like you have to be having these conversations all the way along to that point. And it's the same thing. Am I on pace? Is like asking the question you know, um, that we just talked about, am I being faced with the reality that I'm not on pace and that this goal now probably needs to be stretched out. That's the value of having a coach because a coach can now put it into context for you. And that's what I would say is like, all right, we're a month into this. This is what we've got. You're actually a little bit further behind in X, Y, and Z than where we anticipated we wouldn't be able to figure it out until we actually start seeing how you respond to this. So here are the gaps that we need to cover, which is going to change our date. And that's the reality of the situation. And I think that the question then is, what do you value? This is why the value piece becomes so important, because if you value just hitting the mark to hit the mark, well, that's a problem. But if you place value on progress, then this is where we started. This is where we are. 
we've gained progress. You should be happy. Yeah. Yes, that. we need to push out the date, but your progress so far, you're better than where you were a month ago. Be happy with that. We just don't have everything that we need yet to keep this train moving forward. So we've got to make some adjustments. And I think that clarifying and establishing strong values with someone in the beginning and then being able to track and measure progress, constantly being face to face with the reality of the situation and not sugarcoating it, not downplaying it, not, you know, beating yourself up. Once you get rid of all of that and you place the value on the process and not the prize, then we're going in the right direction. And that's a big, we talk about that all the time, right? Process over prize, you know, uh, doing things by design, not by default, default. So by design, not default process over prize. We're just falling in love with the flow. I love that. Cause that's, that's been my big thing, uh, lately is this being, uh, enjoying the journey not really focusing too much on the end goal, but enjoying the journey, especially like with something like marathon training and stuff like that, that takes so much time. And there's so many little things where to your point, you have to have those like data points of progress and understand like, Hey, this is a good run this run. Hey, I had a shitty run this week. Guess what? Look at, look, look at everything else I've done. It, this is just an off day. You know, the weather could be bad. My, my, I could have slept wrong kind of thing. There's so many little things, especially in running. You know, when you run for four to five hours, shit's bound to go wrong. Like that's just, oh, yeah. that's just a, a, a part of it. So having that, I love that process over prize and design, not default. I, that is so great because it really just hits the point of focus on, focus on where you're at and the and enjoy the journey that you're on because i think so many people focus just on that end like you said if we're only focused on hitting that mark more than likely you are going to quit before you get there because you're not going to see you're not going to see the end of the tunnel you're only yep. focused on that light and it seems to never come you know you're driving through a tunnel you see the light but it seems like it takes forever for it to get there yeah but, and and most people just go you know, it's too far I can't do it now. Like I've gone too far and it's just not, it's not worth it. So you know what? I'm just going to turn back around because it looks like it's lighter back there. Well, you're talking about something that, you know, we've all experienced like myself, even as an athlete, you know, I would not say it by any means. I am a, a, a runner. I can run, you know, I can get out and run six miles and be good. But I, I probably just the size of my body would probably not do very well <laughs> running a marathon, you know? Um, but I love adventure races. I love going out and doing a 10 mile or a 12 mile adventure race where I'm just climbing over things and swimming through stuff. And that, that sort of thing is what I really love. And one of the things that I experienced early on in my kind of endurance athlete career was, uh, if I was just thinking about the finish line, I would be getting tired. But if I was thinking about getting to the next obstacle, Mm. man, all right, I know this is here. I just got to get to that next one. Boom. If I can just get to that next one. And I keep saying to that next one, every time I got there, I would feel like, all right, cool. I'm here. All right, let's go. What's the next one? And, and I know that there are a lot of runners, like I've run shorter distances where it's like, all right, this is um, a sprint quarter marathon. Right. Where you do like, um, you know, I forget, the, it's not the broken arrow, but there was one here in Columbus that started over at Tuttle Mall and like navigated all the way down and around. It's like a six mile sprint run. Okay. Um, and in my mind and other ultra athletes or endurance athletes I've talked to talk about this. 
just focusing on the next mile marker. Yep. Just, I guess got to get to the next mile marker. Okay. I got to get to this watering station. I just got to, and they're doing this in incremental chunks. Well, all of that was like, all right, cool. We're just breaking it down. It makes a ton of sense. But when I started studying neurology and understanding the brain and how our brain actually works, and then the chemicals that coincide with those actions, we have noradrenaline and then dopamine. And everybody thinks of dopamine, like the dopamine hit when I get on my phone and I see somebody commented on my post or I got, you know, all these things that are giving me that positive feedback loop. But what actually is the driving force behind learning something new or creating and cementing those moments in our mind are these internally driven mile markers that increase our connection. So instead of me and my life saying like, well, I can't wait till I make a million dollars a year and you're completely unhappy until you get to that point. If you're like, yo, I was making $40,000 a year last year. I made 53 this year, man, that feels good to know that I increased this much, right? That's a dopamine hit that's supporting, right? All of the work that you were doing throughout the year that helps give you confidence in continuing that process moving forward. And what happens is every time we hit that mile marker, our body is basically pushing back down this noradrenaline, which is the quit. It's the quit chemical. The more we are faced with something that is uncomfortable, that's new, that's forcing us to change, that's hard, that's challenging, this chemical keeps building up, keeps building up. So if we don't have little check-in mile markers that are like, boom, hey, you just met this one marker, you're going the right direction. If you don't have that, the quit chemical keeps going until we quit. Mm. But if we've got that internal focus and we hit that next uh, uh, dopamine internal marker, it's like, oh man, I hit that one thing, right? The quit, quit chemical comes down and I keep pushing. Oh, I hit this next one. Oh, the quit, quit chemical comes back down more, right? And we just have to keep finding internally driven mile markers in our lives yeah. to keep that chemical balance from going too far the other way where that's where a lot of people are depressed and upset and relying on drugs and alcohol and pharmaceuticals to keep them alive, you know, and mentally aware instead of figuring out the, the little wins that they're having. And, and that's the other thing too, how do babies learn? They learn step by step. They crawl first, you know, and then they stand, they don't take steps. They just stand. And then they take one step and then they're taking a couple of steps. And then a couple of years later, they're sprinting. You know what I mean? And, and that's how we have to think about change in our own lives is that we've got to be okay with crawling and sucking. Like, I think we talked about this at the very beginning, you brought it up being bad, being bad at things. If you are being bad at something, that means that you're trying. That means that you're moving in that direction. And the first marker of success in something new is doing it wrong, right? Doing it wrong. And then you get more comfortable with doing it less wrong and then doing it less wrong. And you just keep doing less wrong and more right and continuing to move in that direction. But like you said, we're so focused externally on what everybody else is doing and the success that they're having, regardless of where they are on their journey, 
they could be 10 years into the process and I just started yesterday and I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to get there. I suck. And then I quit. Well, sucking is part of, part of the process, you know? Yeah, it's, it's you, you know, poor pun in this case, but it's you need to run your race. Yeah, and that's, that's really it, that's really all it is. Is you can't you can't play that comparison game because you don't know you don't know where those people came from. They may have started worse yeah. than you, but they put more work in, and that's the reason why they are where they are. That's why you can't get uh, you know jealous or envious of people that that ha- <clears throat> that have more than you because you know sometimes people were just given a lot and had better circumstances, but other times they just worked their ass off to get there. You know, they did what Absolutely. they had to do. They put in the work to make it happen, and those are usually the people that you don't hear from you don't you don't yeah. get to see that thing you just see the success story in the end you know a lot yeah. of time there's natural it's, talent or natural ability but especially like in an athletic standpoint but you don't see the hours and hours and hours that they sat at the free throw line just shooting free throws just shooting free throws after free throws and going yo oh we didn't see that they just you know why did they miss the one why do they only have a 97 percent free throw you know they get paid to do this and you're like get the hell out of here yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, what you're talking about is the thing that, you know, you, you bring up Mark Manson in that book, The Subtle Art. Um, he talks in that book about most people are really only capable of being good, really good at one thing. And in our society, we hold that one person up for that one thing that they do on a pedestal mm-hmm. and assume that every other aspect of their life is magic. The problem is, is that if you divert so much of your focus and attention to be incredibly good at that one thing, you've diverted your attention away from several other things. And we hear this often in life where the person who pursued excellence in their career has a poor marriage or has a poor family life, right? Or the person who is in pursuit of, you know, their family life being incredible, they probably didn't make that much money because they they weren't going to the late meetings or going to the business dinners or they decided not to travel to go do this executive thing because they wanted to be with their family. So you know, that kind of ties yes. back to your value aspect too, though. You know, it's what, what do That's you value? Exactly it. Do, you value, do you value, do you value the money or, or success as, you know, if we want to say it. cultural wise, if you value that, then yeah, go work your 80 hour work weeks and go do this. I get pissed off sometimes when I see things on Instagram talking about, you know, cause damn algorithm always trying to make you see things that see jealousy see. is yeah. ridiculous, but it's just like you you, you, you got to put these hundred hour work weeks in you. You need to do this. You need to bust your ass so you can make a million dollars. So you can do this. And it's like, yeah, but look at these people's lives. They, they, they hate half the things they do. They die alone with a shit ton of money in the bank. And you're like, what, what good is that? You know, we had that aspect, my wife and I, where we, we had a, a four bedroom home in Delaware. We were, we were living the American dream. We got married, we bought a house, we were going to do all these things. And then we realized, why are we doing what the, what the American dream is? We're like, we don't yeah. need this. Why are we living somebody else's life for us? Um, and, yeah. and we basically said no. And that's about the same time I found like the minimalism stuff and I got rid of a lot of things of like, these are, this is just stuff I don't need. It's just taking up space. It's a distraction. Um, or as they like to say, it's a pacifier. It's just something yeah. I use to kind of soothe myself kind of thing. We're like, all right, two bedroom apartment in, in Worthington. We're like done. 
Yeah. That's it. We, we don't need yeah. 3,000 square feet. 1,000 square feet is plenty of space. And, yeah. and it's crazy. You get rid of these things. Um, my wife got a different job where she was working less hours. You know, we just had to make it work financially. But we're like, we have to make this work because it's better for our lives. And things have never been better. And you're like, okay, maybe, maybe I need to like readjust and if we will wake up to what I actually value so I can better define myself and my life so I can kind of take control of it rather than letting life take control of me. Yeah. And see, that's, that's so great that you grab that piece because that the exercises in understanding and prioritizing what your values are, all of that is driven by the stage of life that you are in. Yep. And, and people don't really take time to understand the transitions that they make in life from stage to stage. And where we get in trouble is when we're trying to, like, we, we learn how to live and exist, let's say, in the high school ecosystem, right? And then you go to college and you realize, like, okay, uh, I'm not confined by that anymore. Like, I can be this thing that I want to be now. And then you learn how to thrive and, and exist in this college ecosystem. And then you come out of that and you get into, let's say, the workforce and you're in life. And then you realize like, oh, okay, that isn't going to serve me well here. You know, beer parties and all that sort of shit. That's not going to help me thrive in this environment anymore. And, and we start recognizing that there are these different layers or different stages. And every time we kind of cross that threshold, is a time when we need to stop and take inventory and kind of reevaluate. But a lot of people never do. They just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And then they realize like they're kind of holding all of this stuff in life, in their mind, in their thoughts of who they are, what they need to do and be. And then it's like, uh, what do I do with all of this? And it sounds like that was your experience. You like got to this breaking point where you're like, what are we doing with all of this? Like, why does any of this matter? And then you just put it down. And then it's like, all right, hold on. We need to take stock. Uh, yeah, this isn't the life that we want to live. Let's go reevaluate. And you find what works for you. And that that's that's the process. That is what we do. We go through that. You know, that's amazing. All right. I couldn't say it uh, any better as a good ending. So we're just going to end right there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man. Alex, thank you, thanks so much for being on the show today. I, it was a great yeah. discussion. I hope people get uh, get a lot out of it. I certainly did. I said I got a note, uh, a page full of notes right here. So, and I'll definitely have you back on because I think we could talk about this for like another three hours. For oh sure. yeah, awesome, man. I'd love to. Uh, how how can people get in contact with you though if they want to connect further? Yeah, if they want to connect, you guys can always reach out to me. Uh, my email address is alex at peakhumanperformance.us. Uh, you could also check me out on Instagram. I just post, you know, kind of infrequently, but I do like direct message with people there at how strong is strong. Um, so that's easy. Just how strong is strong and peakhumanperformance.us. Perfect. And we'll have all of that stuff in the show notes so you guys will be able to um, connect with Alex and that sort of thing so we can do that. Again, Alex, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely, man. Thank you for um, having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. To everyone else, you can reach out to me on social media everywhere at flores.run. Uh, the Facebook page is probably going to go away. I said this last week. I, I, it's pissing me off. Facebook in general is just pissing me off, but it might go away. I'll probably just be on Instagram. Um, gonna, I've got a little more focus that I'm doing on the Instagram page, so you might see a little more 
um, we'll call it product placement. Nobody's paying me to do these things. I'm just giving you guys my honest opinions about products that I like and we're going that way. Um, you subscribe and leave a review for the podcast. Um, a review helps not only just a uh, like a rating review, but also a text review. Helps with the algorithm, helps people find this. So if you found this interview uh, awesome, because it was awesome, leave a, a review there so people can check it out and, you know, find this podcast. You can visit my website at www.flores.run. All the race reports are there, but thank you so much for joining me today. Remember to keep running with purpose one step at a time. See you next week.